Hello everyone. Welcome to Uncertified and Unqualified. I'm Rita. And I'm Anna. And today we are going to be talking about destigmatizing therapy and other therapeutic services. Therapy can help people who struggle with mental health, but it's also extremely stigmatized in society. Yeah. May is Mental Health Awareness Month and my birthday month, but that's irrelevant. <laughs> um, but like any other topic that has a designated month of awareness, the conversation surrounding it cannot start and stop during that specific month. Stigmatization of therapy can actually have a lot of effects that are really harmful, which can include discrimination towards those who go to therapy, a lot of self-judgment on the person who does go to therapy, reluctance to seek help or treatment, lack of understanding by friendly, friendlies, friendly, (laughs) friendlies, friends and family, coworkers and just other acquaintances in your life. This can happen in many different ways. It could be like a, oh, you seem fine. You don't need it. Or, oh, well, you don't look crazy. You're not crazy. Or like, why do, why do we have to pay all that money to deal with your problems? Why can't you just deal with it on your own? Yeah. And that's very, very harmful. You can also have fewer opportunities for work, school, or social activities, trouble finding housing, receive a lot of bullying, physical violence, or harassment, health insurance that doesn't adequately cover your mental illness treatment, or the belief that you'll never succeed at certain challenges or you can't improve your situation. And that's just for people who go to therapy. Even therapists have occupational and professional stigmas associated with them. There's a quote from Dr. Dana Gianta, excuse me if I mispronounced her name, Um, but she says, Over the years, I've heard many creative names for therapy, quite reflective of various stigmas. Some of my favorites are hocus pocus, mental brainwashing, and head shrinking. Yeah. Hocus pocus. Hocus pocus. That's absolutely ridiculous. Good. There's also another from Dr. Mandy Beth Rubin, who says, I acknowledge that counseling, therapy, and treatment can be a scary concept, let alone a reality. It's important to remedy any archaic assumptions to tre- and to tread carefully with topics that elicit fear. There is some research being done regarding self-stigma or the internalization of perceived public stigma that seems to support the idea of, of more transparent interventions to help to reduce the negative impact of stigma itself. So basically, what she's saying is we know that therapy can be a scary thing because of these stigmas out there, especially if if you internalize it. But we need to break these things down so that people who do need that help with mental health don't feel scared to seek that help for whatever reason they may need it. One of the most common reasons that people don't seek treatment is really because they're concerned about the stigma. Yeah, and... Stigma has generally referred to the public stigma of having a mental illness. Um, One of the biggest examples is, like, having schizophrenia, and there are lots of examples of schizophrenic people in movies, and they are portrayed as, you know, being in straitjackets in a padded room with only a door with a little window to look through. You know, they have that such negative mindset around them for people who perceive them. And public stigma is society's rejection of a person due to certain behaviors or physical appearances appearances, excuse me, that are deemed unacceptable, dangerous, or frightening. In most industrial societies today, the mentally ill are no longer overtly pro- persecuted, but there are clear indications of the presence of public stigma towards individuals with mental illness. And these perceptions of the mentally ill are not lost on those needing treatment and can lead to them hiding mental health concerns and avoiding treatment to adapt to like reduce the negative consequences associated with that stigma 
and it's just another form of inter- internalizing that public stigma and attempting to stay stay out of the way and try and take care of it themselves when in reality they, they might need that professional help. There is also public stigma associated with seeking professional services separated from the, the stigma about mental illness. With this stigma, one suffers from is less important from the simple behavior of seeking psychological help, whether it is, you know, a chronic diagnosable mental disorder or just processing the death of a loved one. Both are very real and present things and simply seeking a professional psychological help appears to carry its own you know mark of disgrace or shame or whatever but the research indicates that people tend to stigmatize clients more than they stigmatize non-clients and this is in contrast to the outward more other or or other oriented quote-unquote focus of public stigma when self-stigma has been described as an internal form of that stigma I'm saying stigma a lot, so you're gonna have to stick with me here, wherein one labels oneself as unacceptable because of having a mental health concern. We are originally conceived of self-stigma as the specific threat to one's sense of self, including esteem, regarding confidence, and that seeking psychological help might pose. Now, all of that that I just listed is from an article by David L. Vogel and Nathan G. Wade. They go into this very deeply, and I just kind of broke down the basics of what their paper was, but if you really want to go look at it, I highly recommend it. It was a great, great paper to read on therapy and the stigma surrounding mental illness. Adding on to that stigma, um, a lot of the times mental health isn't even very well covered by insurance, which is because of the stigma, because no one wants to talk about it, no one wants to be like, yeah, we go seek treatment. So as a result of that, we don't value that in insurance. So we do have um, the Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equity Act and the Affordable Care Act that and, and specific state parity laws that require health care plans to cover mental health as equally as physical health. But there are a lot of problems created by health insurers that not only affects access to affordable treatment, but also pushes forward the stigma because the treatment is harder to get. So the National Alliance on Mental Illness explains that there's two main problems caused by health insurers that hinder getting treatment. One is that there are inadequate network providers, so that means that a plan may not have enough or even quality in network providers in the area that can properly treat patients. This hurts patients because they will either have to travel large distances to be seen by an in-network provider or have to wait a while before getting treatment or have to go to an out-of-network provider and pay that full cost and not get it covered by their insurance. And two, the criteria needed to qualify for coverage under health insurers is not reasonable. A lot of times they make standards that are cost-saving for the health insurers that limit who can actually get mental health coverage because they make it a lot harder to get coverage unless a patient is very ill. The stigma also specifically affects different communities. For example, the LGBTQIA community are far more likely to struggle with mental health. And this, these are quotes from the Human Rights Campaign Foundation. One is, 60% of LGBTQ youth reported being so sad or hopeless that they stopped doing some of their usual activities. Another is, LGBTQ young people are twice as likely to feel suicidal and over four times as likely to attempt suicide compared to heterosexual youth. And the rates may be especially high for bisexual teens. According to one study, a third of transgender youth have seriously considered suicide and one in five have made a suicide attempt. 
Even among adults with mental illness, LGBTQ adults may experience more serious symptoms. Among LGBTQ adults living with mental illness, 13% had a serious mental illness that substantially interfered with their major life activities. The same was true for only 4% of heterosexual adults living with the same mental illness. And this, another community that feels the effects of the stigma is the black community. The Health and Human Services Office of Minority Health According to them, the black adults in the United States are more likely than white adults to report persistent symptoms of emotional distress, such as sadness, hopelessness, and feeling like everything is an effort. Black adults living below the poverty line are more than twice as likely to report serious psychological distress than those with more financial security. And despite this, only one in three black adults who need mental health care actually will receive it. And this is because of their socioeconomic standing, so they might not have adequate or any health insurance to cover their costs of their treatment. This stigma, one study showed that 63% of black people believe that a mental health condition is a sign of a personal weakness. There is a specific stigma in the black community towards mental health, and the public stigma in general kind of pushes it away from them. And racism and provider bias leads to misdiagnosis of black people and inadequate treatment. Right. To support people and overcome the stigmas, we need to talk about therapy and make mental health treatment more readily available in more avenues than one. There is an article from HuffPost that breaks down 14 misconceptions about the reality of going to therapy, and it breaks it down really well, and it's very worth the read, and we will link it in the link tree for you to go and check out, because they yes. I, ca- I cannot say it better myself. We really want to show you guys the direct misconceptions that people are saying and exactly why they're not true. Go check it out yourself. It's very important. So now we are going to move into the types of therapy and their benefits, which is courtesy of Healthline. Because we're going to talk about therapy, all the different parts of therapy, and hopefully start breaking this public stigma. It is. So the first one is talk therapy and talk therapy encourages open and honest dialogue about issues that cause you distress though your relationship with your therapist or through your relationship with your therapist you will you'll work to identify and understand how these stressors are impacting your life and develop strategies to manage these symptoms it's focused on communication and talk therapy allows you to discuss concerns that range from stress management and relationship problems to depression and anxiety disorders Psychotherapy, which is what talk therapy is, is also a tool that therapists also use to facilitate, facilitate excuse me, counseling discussions. They can use this technique for individual groups, couples, or family therapy. In individual therapy, the relationship between you and your therapist, which is fostered through talk therapy, is key to your success. So individual therapy gives you a safe space to talk about your thoughts, your feelings, any problems you may have. And unlike certain group therapies like family or couple therapy, individual therapy will focus solely on you and it allows for you to go through a deeper understanding of your issues and more time to help develop coping strategies and handle difficult situations. The goal is to inspire change and improve the quality of life through self-awareness and self-exploitation. With family therapy, unlike individual therapy, treatment isn't just for one person, even if it's only one member of the family working with the therapist. Instead, the focus is on the set of relationships that make up the family unit. 
and marriage and family therapists are the first to say that couples therapy is an effective way to keep a relationship on track before it goes off the rails. But if the strains are real and communicating is almost impossible, going to therapy allows couples to meet with a neutral party. One of the foundational goals of couples therapy is learning how to improve in interpersonal dynamics. And there was a 20, in a 2016 research interview, a trusted, trusted source suggests that couples therapy is an effective treatment when a couple is experiencing individual and relational distress. There's also cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a blend of two other therapies. It's behavioral and cognitive. In this therapy, your therapist will guide you through sessions with an emphasis on the important role of thinking how you in how you feel and what you do. So it's proven to be successful as a treatment option on its own or also as a supplemental therapy to medication for several health conditions, mental health conditions, such as anxiety disorders, bipolar disorders, and depression. So the last major form of therapy, there are obviously others, but the last major form is online therapy or teletherapy. And this allows you to meet with a therapist from wherever you might be. It also gives you the freedom to choose the delivery method of that therapy. You know, in other words, you can reach a therapist from a phone, an app, or online, and that may make it easier for you to find a counselor you can connect and communicate well with. The ability to get help for mental health this way means that more people have access to therapy than ever before. It also helps to minimize the stigma attached with mental health, and it gives you those options. And these, we all just spit them right back to you from Healthline, so if you want to go look on Healthline yourself, you can. It's, we're saying the same exact thing, all of these come from there and there are as you can see a lot of different types of therapies that can really be helpful right so to kind of wrap up whatever you would need therapeutic services for just know that you are not a burden you're worth working towards a better mental health and a safe and stable environment and that needing these services is nothing to be ashamed of and we love each and every single one of you no matter how you feel, who you are, all that kinds of good stuff. We are also going to have a hotlines link in the link tree with any crisis hotline you can think of if you do need help and it, it is more urgent help. But we really support if you feel like you need to go to therapy, you 100% do. You're 100% valid. Go forth and do it. And hopefully we can all break this public stigma together. So with that, we are Uncertified and Unqualified. We release episodes every other Monday, and you can find us on Instagram at Uncertified and Unqualified Pod. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.